Welcome to the first edition of the Cefesa podcast. I am Eric Koenig, proud Cefesa member and co-chair of the marketing committee. Today we're talking about COVID-19 with a panel of service experts from across the country. Really, we just want to start the conversation. We know service companies are, are struggling, but we're looking for positivity and optimism, but also just guidance in how to deal with these challenging times today. With that, I'd like to get right into the conversation. Welcome to this very special edition and the first edition of the Cefesa podcast. I am Eric Koenig, Cefesa member and co-chair of the marketing committee. And today, you know, today is really an important day. Not only is it the first Cefesa podcast, but we are in a a crisis in the food service industry. You know, COVID-19 has really, in a short period of time, done its best to create challenges that we as an industry, a service industry, really need to think about and address. And I am really fortunate today to be joined by a number of people. It might be a record for the number of people on a podcast at one time. You know, I've got I've got six individuals here to, to help navigate the waters of, of this crisis. I uh, want to do a quick introduction of them and then also sort of begin to just really dive into the, the conversation. Uh, you know, joining me on the, on the podcast today, we've got JC Current of High Tech Commercial, Ken Beasley of Key Food Equipment, Steve Slider of CPS, Gary Sherman of General Parts, and Katie Green of RSI. And we also a special guest as well, Dan Reese of Cefesa, be able to you know give us some insights from HQ as, as well. With with everybody on the line today, you know one of the things that we really want to get into because we want to be positive. You know we know that we we're going to get back to business. You know we're going to get back to business in a new normal. What that new normal looks like, you know we're not all hundred percent certain. With that being said, you know, I want to ask the question, what steps are you taking today to look ahead a little bit towards tomorrow? You know, we know there's a lot of challenges, a lot of things that we're working through to, you know, to keep to keep business running. But what steps are you looking to looking at today? for when that rebound happens, you know, when the phone start starts ringing? You know, how are you talking to your internal teams? You know, you know, what are you doing with technicians, payroll, supplies? How are you reaching out to customers? You know, how are you planning some of that? So with that, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it over to JC. Hey, good morning, everyone. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, that we've done here at High Tech is we've had to lay off people. And um, something that we're trying to do is keep in communication with those people. So we've set up a group me just for just for my laid off workers and and I try to talk to them every day so that uh, when we do come through this, which we will, um, you know, I can get those workers back. So that's my biggest concern is getting my workers back to work. Sounds good. How about you, How about you, Steve? Hi, uh, thanks for having me on the podcast. Uh, like JC said, we really want to take care of our own employees. And um, as, as calls start to increase, we want to get our techs back on the road as quickly as possible. Um, and with that okay. being said, I think we need to understand what working in a post-COVID-19 world might look like. Um, I think customers will 
continue to pay close attention to whomever's in their kitchen. And I think we need to do a good job of continuing our habits of practicing good hygiene, wearing gloves, sanitizing work areas, et cetera. Um, we need to, overall, I think we need to be prepared to act quickly, make sure that we have the methods of communicating both internally with our staff and externally with our customers, whether it's through email or social media. Um, you know, right now, I think it's difficult to find clarity in this situation that's constantly changing. What's even more confusing, I think, sometimes is all the information that's coming from so many media reports, um, and each one all offering their own perspectives and advice. So I think it's important that our employees um, kind of get a clear and consistent message from their managers and from their leaders in their own company. Okay, and Katie, Katie's throwing the first uh, the first hand raised in the in the in the podcast. So, Katie, I'm going to do a quick switch to you. Hey, yeah. Um, so, I think that yes, a lot of us have had to lay off employees, and um, I agree with Steve. After this is all said and done, I think that we are going to have to change the way we um, approach going into these kitchens for sure. Um, we're also going to have to, um, I think it's a good opportunity for us now to maybe look at some of our processes internally um, and maybe work on streamlining those. It's a, it's a good time to work on some of the things that uh, we struggle with when we're not, you know, slow like we are now. Because the server side, it's, um, I, I'm, everybody I've talked to across the board, it's almost non-existent. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely tough out there. Um, you know, at least the, everyone that I've talked to, you know, is echoing echoing your your statement, Katie. Okay, Ken. Yeah, let me just pick up on that. Um, we we had a number of projects that are sitting sitting off to the side that are difficult to do when we've been busy that we know are going to strengthen our organization in the long term. Um, we're taking advantage of this downturn to be able to jump into some of those projects and and, and um, get them done. Uh, in anticipation of uh, of a turnaround in the not too distant future. Okay, have, Gary, how about uh, how about how are things at General Parts? Yeah, it's uh, you know we're a little little different than most. Uh, we we cover quite a bit of the country, and um, in the Northwest, it's really business as usual with our customer mix. There, we do a lot of grocery store, a lot of business and industry, um, so we haven't fallen off nearly as much there. But uh, like the others, you know, we've fallen off quite a bit in other markets and. Um, really what we're doing is taking this time to, to plan for, you know, when this thing does turn and the restaurants go back to normal, how do we help them get back up to speed as quickly as possible? I think even when this thing is turned loose and the economy starts to come back, it's not going to be open the tap hundred percent day one. You know, the restaurants have got to get food back to their normal staff levels and staff and training. It's kind of almost going to be like a little bit of a restart. So we're really focusing on you know, doing some training, focusing around, um, you know, what do we need to do to properly start equipment up that was probably not shut down um, properly. Um, like the others, I'm, uh, we did a layoff. I'm, I'm interested in getting every single one of those people back um, and working like we were just weeks ago. Um, yeah, so we're really, we're really planning for, um, you know, being and being a real good partner to our partners when this thing's over and helping them get, get back to normal, whatever that looks like. Um, as quickly as possible. Okay, so yeah, I mean, everybody's sort of talked about normal. What what have you been 
maybe hearing on the street, maybe, you know, just sort of in your, in your guts, what does the new normal look like in, in some of your, in some of your, your areas, you know, JC, I'll, I'll, I'll ask that to you. Yeah. Vegas is like a ghost town. It's a, it's like a bad movie out here. So, um, I think it's going to be slow in my area because, you know, we just have so much convention, convention business that's, you know, been put off, postponed, canceled. So I would say, you know, the Las Vegas Strip is probably not going to look the same, uh, you know, maybe until next year. So it's uh, definitely going to be a trying time, uh, although I think there's some opportunities there, too. Like like Ken said, uh, you know, people uh, or Gary, I'm not sure which one said it, uh, people not shutting down equipment properly so that when they do turn it back on, it's not going to work or or they're going to need help getting uh, getting things started up again. So there you go. It's just a it, just a quick follow-up on the on that question, JC. You know, the shutting down of equipment. You know, because we're still we're still in that in this period of you know restaurants are are running carryout delivery. You know, or very limited service. You know, they still might have to make some decisions depending on how how this goes. What are some of the things that you would recommend from a, a proper shutdown perspective? You know, obviously reaching out to to the service team, the service companies to help them do that. But what are the sort of the, the key pieces that they should be thinking about? You know, for us, I think it's probably going to be all your steam equipment, you know, probably was not shut down properly. So they probably still have water in the boilers. Some of that equipment's still on, especially in the casinos. So they're, they're definitely going to have issues when they turn it back on. And uh, also, you know, refrigeration is going to be another challenge. Okay. Sounds good. And then Ken, I know you had your, your hand raised, you know, you wanted to add about new normal. Yeah. So up here in Canada, um, the restaurant association thinks that uh, particularly standalone restaurants that up to 30%, uh, I know we want to be positive on this, on this podcast, but I think uh, we also need to be realistic. Um, they're talking uh, as many as 30% of the standalone restaurants will not survive a prolonged shutdown. We're hearing similar things uh, from the hotel association. So when we talk about uh, new normal, um, you know, it, it will not be um, the same volume of business. I know in our case, about 50% of our business comes from from restaurants. The rest is uh, institutions. Institutions will probably remain. Uh, for the most part, so that businesses will, will maybe as um, as was before, um, but the restaurant business will take, definitely take a hit through this. Okay, Katie. Um, I can tell you what I'm seeing down here from just talking to customers and some of the facilities managers for these larger chains. Um, it's I think that it's going to be a new ball game out there. I mean, we're most of them don't even have jobs anymore. Um, so these relationships that we've built over the years and in some, some cases, even the decades, we're, we're going to have to, it's going to be like new, it's going to be new people coming in there. We're going to have to rebuild some of these relationships. So I definitely think it's going to, um, it's, it's going to be not the same as what it was. It's, we're going to have to really step up our game on, on everything in our sales team. You know, we're going to have to. Start, it's like starting over in a lot of cases. And to, and to pick up on that theme, you know, this idea of relationship and this industry is very much a relationship industry. This is, you know, yeah, e-com is a, is a coming a bigger piece of, of the world, but it's still very much a face-to-face, have those conversations with customers, 
you know, so, you know, Steve, I'll, I'll put this, this question to you. What are you doing with your sales teams to begin to think about how do you rebuild relationships in areas where, you know, those relationships that you've had for, you know, more than a few years, because, you know, we also know the relationships in this industry last decades, you know, more than a few years to, to get them back in front of customers, which might be sometimes for like the very first time again. Yeah, I think that we're going to rely a lot on the relationships that we have already established. And it's not just relationships with the end user, but we need to continue to maintain those relationships and maintain in constant conversation with the reps and the dealers and also the manufacturers in our area. Um, so we'll continue to lean on them, um, ask them for advice, uh, talk about the situation and how it's affecting them as well. Because um, we're all kind of in this together. So, uh, you know, I think the more that we can talk about it, uh, kind of kick around a few ideas, what, what each of us are doing, I think the better off we'll be. Okay. So Gary, you know, working with, with, working with your sales teams as you start to think about, you know, new normal and, and getting them back out there. Is there anything that your, your group is thinking about to, uh, to start those conversations? Yeah. It's, uh, the timing of this podcast is, uh, is pretty ironic because I was on the phone with my sales team and my marketing team this morning saying, you know, what, <clears throat> how do we respectfully, um, you know, keep in communication with our customers and, you know, obviously you want to be super empathetic and, um, you know, but you want to also uh, let them know you're there for them. And, and there are certain things they're going to need in particular markets, you know, spring and summer are here, um, the HVAC stuff, um, you know, so we're looking at um, possible ways to approach them on that and say, hey, you know, let us let us go ahead and do this for you if you want. And, you know, we'll 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 do it in goodwill right now to get you back up and running. And, and uh, you know, that's at a time like this, I think that that sense of partnership and community is what's it's going to get us all through there. There is no real selling right now. Right now, it's solidifying relationships, and I agree 100% with what Steve said. It's you're going to rely on the relationships you've built and that level of trust, um, and that's really what our approach has been and will be for the foreseeable future. Is um, you know we're a partner, and uh, you know one of the things that's been probably a single thing that's been reassuring throughout this is just the sense of community um, I've seen in our industry. Um, service companies sharing information with one another and manufacturers and dealers and reps. Um, I think it's going to be a, it's for sure going to be a different world on the backside of this, but it's, uh, it's been reassuring to talk to other people in my situation and um, get their help, uh, to help see us through it and, and lend some help when we could. And then you bring up a good point, you know, this idea of, of changing your approach, you know, especially from the marketing perspective, you know, this is a really difficult time for a lot of our customers. And, you know, Ken, I'll, I'll ask the question of you. How have you looked at switching up your messaging, you know, as the teams have been on the phone or, you know, sending, you know, or even just the, even the texts that are, are, are in the field, you know, what, you know, what types of messages are they delivering when they're, when they're with customers? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it was said already that, uh, it's really not about selling at this point. It's about maintaining relationship. Um, we've been actively reaching out to customers um, and, and just saying, hey, how, how can we help you uh, during this time? Um, how can we support you? Um, 
And, um, you know, from a tech standpoint, uh, frankly, it's really been more about ensuring that our customers understand that our techs are practicing good health protocols when they come in, uh, that we're providing and, and the customers are seeing them come in with the right protective uh, equipment um, that are, you know, letting customers know that our techs have been trained on um, how to use that equipment in a proper way, um, be mindful of the space that they're in and respecting social distancing um, while they're on site. Um, so I would say that's sort of more behavior oriented with a, with a, with a, with a marketing uh, push uh, to let customers know that we've done this with our teams. And um, with regards to sort of outbound calling, it's really just, hey, we're here, we're still operating both parts and service, um, how can we help you? Okay. And with that, I actually want to bring Dan into, into the conversation a little bit. Have, have you been at HQ been hearing anything from, from the members just even around, you know, best practices around safety. So when the techs do get out into the field, you know, has there been any guidance that HQ has been providing to the, to the callers? Well, HQ has been sending out, uh, information and we're basically using the CDC information and what the states and what the national uh, people and the guidelines are to handle this. I mean, we're recommending gloves, we're recommending masks, we're recommending the washing of hands and being careful in the social distancing. And uh, that's what we're hearing across the country. You know, the nice thing about being here is talking to everybody across the country. You're all going through the same thing at the same time. Uh, actually, yesterday I had a conversation with a member that was uh, kind of, uh, it, it was assuring that he wasn't alone in this, that his business wasn't the only one that's suffering 50% and down. So uh, he's doing the same thing. They're practicing the best safety procedures they can. They're all doing uh, the best they can. And that's what we're hearing. Okay. And again, and to, and to build off of that a little bit, in, you know, when we talk about safety, have any of the techs come back from the field and really been asking questions around, you know, I don't feel comfortable going into a particular location. And if that's been happening, you know, how, how have you been dealing with something like that? Uh, Katie, have you encountered something like that yet? Um, we, we have um, had a couple of techs um, that have been a little weary of it. Um, I mean, we just, we let all our team know, you know, kind of referring to the CDC guidelines and best practices and with providing them with everything they need to try and stay, you know, sanitized and um, just kind of reassuring them. We don't force them if they're really uncomfortable, like, hey, I don't want to go into this location. Maybe it's a hospital, maybe it's a grocery store that, you know, um, so we just kind of don't force them. If they're really that uncomfortable, we respect that. We understand and um, we find them something else to do and get, you know, it's kind of all new territory for us. So, yeah, it is. I mean, but it really, it's, it, it gets back to the, the importance of just that open communication, you know, and, and, and speaking with your teams on a daily basis, like we've, we've said at the top of the podcast making sure that we're continuing to stay in, stay in touch. Steve, have, have you run across any situations with your techs who have been out in the field coming back, you know, either 
you know, not super comfortable with the situation that they're in or, you know, just, you know, bringing back some information that uh, makes you sort of rethink how you how you want to get text back out into the field? Uh, fortunately, no, I have not come across, at least I have not heard of any text being too uncomfortable at any given spot. Um, you know, a lot of them are getting their temperatures taken uh, before they enter places like nursing homes or hospitals. Um, but other than that, it's been kind of business as, as usual. And is that, is that a procedure that those individual facilities are inquired? Cause honestly, that's the first I've heard, heard of, heard of something like that. Yeah. Uh, Mike DeWine, the governor here in Ohio, um, recommended that we take temperatures of all employees coming into the workplace. And within the hour we were at Walgreens, CVS, uh, everybody's sold out of thermometers so it made it kind of difficult for us to try to find any at all um, due to the low supply um, but I guess you know going to the hospitals and nursing homes um, they've got these temporary scans or some have the contactless forehead scanners um, they're scanning anybody that that comes into the workplace but um, but it really hasn't affected us um, guys so far have been healthy um, knock on wood um, so far so good has, so JC, have you have you in, instituted any of the the temperature taking? Has anything like that come out of uh, Nevada yet, or is or still sort of you know business usual with the standard safety precautions? No, it's being definitely done at uh, hospitals and uh, nursing home assisted facilities and and stuff like that, and also having to provide. Uh, you know, my text with masks has been, you know, a huge issue. So when the whole thing started, I think I rounded up between my two branches, 46 masks. Um, and that's what we're using off of right now. And, uh, one of the things we had to do was build a sterilization box. So I contacted a lab. They helped me with the specs on how to build a sterilization box for my masks. And, uh, so since then we built one and then we're in the process of building another one. That actually might be, you know, some information to share as well. I don't know if we, we do it in the, uh, you know, on the stronger service together form or someplace like that, but those sterilization boxes might be interesting to share across, across the, the industry, just because I know, you know, having watched some of the, the questions that have popped up, where to find more masks is, you know, tends to be not just for the healthcare, you know, workers, but, you know, for our industry as well, where can we find some? You know, we, we certainly were definitely caught flat-footed from from that perspective. So actually, Gary, I'll ask that question to you since, you know, you've, you've got some scale. How are you with masks? Are you having difficulty supplying, you know, the, the, the teams? Yeah, it's not just masks. It's, it's uh, just about any of the sanitization stuff, right? Hand sanitizer, um, you know, the wipes, uh, masks for sure. Uh, one of the things we're doing is, um, when customers call in, we're asking them what their protocol is, if they have any, to make sure we're respectful of that and following that. And before we show up, that we can, you know, that we can abide by what they need us to do because of the, you know, the shortness of all the supplies. And um, likewise, we're telling them what protocol we're taking to make sure it's sufficient to meet, um, you know, their needs are required. So they know we're trying to be proactive. Um, actually, on our call this morning with my sales and marketing guys, I said, you know, there's been a lot of um, posts out there about, hey, everybody, you can make your own sanitizer. So we're looking at doing that in some of our markets, if we can't do it in all markets, to 
to bring some sanitizer with us for our customers as well as supply it to our own guys just as that 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 outreach to people to let them know you know hey we're you know, we're we're going to help you fight through this thing and we're going to we're going to get out the other side so we're looking at doing that um, as well okay hey katie how about how about you are you uh you running into some supply issues as well um yeah we a little bit we've made um our own sanitizer as well um it's like a really lame episode of breaking bad trying to mix that all together <laughs> here but yeah i mean we're that's luckily we have a chemical division that does you know hospitality chemical sales so we were able to just we had some in-house but i know a lot of people don't and um i don't know we were probably getting low i haven't checked in a few days that's not really my department but um I'm sure we're probably getting pretty low too. Okay. Yeah. So really, I mean, the longer, the longer this goes, I mean, it's going to continue to put strain on what it is, you know, we're going to need to do our jobs as we, we get into these kitchens and, and try to get the work done that we need to get done. I want to go back a little bit, you know, because we, we, we've talked about relationships, we've talked about relationships at the customer level, but um, you know, Steve, you brought up relationships with the manufacturers, the dealers, the reps. What type of conversations have you been having with, we'll go with the manufacturers, you know, because we, we, all, we all have relationships there as well. What types of conversations have you been having with the manufacturers? What have they been telling you? What have you been hearing? Yeah, the conversations I've been having with them currently... Um, it's just trying to figure out, uh, we kind of touched on it earlier about uh, dormant equipment or equipment that's sitting too long. Um, so I can get uh, information straight from their engineering team or their technical team, kind of what happens to equipment that sits for too long and some of the issues that, that occur when you go to restart them. Um, and I know we touched on it a little bit with I think JC talked about uh, equipment that has to deal with water, uh, making sure that the lines are shut off, uh, potentially having a mold issue, um, so making sure that those are all clean and sanitized and cleaned out. Um, but also fryers, making sure that the oil is boiled out um, and cleaned out. Um, so those are the kinds of conversations I've been having with the manufacturers. Okay. How about you, Ken? Yeah, I, to, to be honest, um, I've re reached out to a few um, just to let them know. Um, I, I, would, I would say it's sort of been more of a general outreach, letting them know that we're still up and operating, that uh, we've got safety protocols in place. Um, but nothing, I would say, dynamic or active at this point, although I suspect uh, probably within the next week or so that that will happen. Um, and uh, but but to this point, uh, nothing direct. Um, more just uh, you know reading the bulletins as they come in with regards to you know who's shutting down, um, making sure that we've got you know technical support if we need it, as well as uh, parts support if required. Okay, Gary, how about how about you? What types of conversations you've been having with the manufacturing partners? Yeah, it's it's been just really around general updates, kind of a state of affairs thing, you know the. Uh, I will say the manufacturing partners have been, you know, more than willing, you know, to ask the question, hey, what what can we do to help you guys get through this time, um, you know? But uh, we haven't really started discussing with them in great detail, uh, you know, what is this going to look like on the other side? But we have had some preliminary conversations with a couple of our key manufacturers about, 
you know, maybe programs we can put together that will help both the end users and the servicers as far as restart. Um, you know, is there a program they can put together where, you know, where we can go to the end user customers and, you know, alleviate that for them financially and maybe spread it out a little bit so we can we can get some work, they can get what they need. And, um, you know, and the manufacturers are more than willing to be involved in that. Okay. And how about the, the dealers? You know, what, and I'm, you know, I, I, I'm going to ask some people to raise their hands because, you know, I'm not 100% certain, you know, what relationships are, you know, across the board with, with everybody in the dealers. Have, have you been in contact with any of the dealers? You know, they've been, have they been, uh, what have they been experiencing? You know, how did, how is that relationship uh, between this, you know, your service groups and the dealer groups looking today? Gary? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically been the same, you know, across our network, we've been checking in with the, with the key dealers we work with and, you know, they're, they're nervous like everyone else and wondering what their world's gonna look like when this thing ends. Um, you know, but again, I think it's just about keeping those open lines of communication open. Um, you know, people are going to need, you know, new equipment when this ends, whether it's, um, you know, to ramp back up um, or delayed purchases. Um, and again, just letting them know, you know, we're, we're here to help them. And, and if they need something, communicate with us. Um, you know, so really the, the thing everybody's waiting on is the, the big question is when, right? When is it going to end? And mm -hmm. when are we going to see, you know, some positive movement. And I think that's the, you know, until we answer that question, everything else is kind of going to be on treading water mode. Okay. So, yeah. So let's, you know, let's, let's, let's talk about when a little bit and, you know, Katie, I'll, I'll start with you. When, you know, do you, do you, do you feel like Texas might start to move a little bit? You know, that is, that's really, it's hard to say. Um, so our governor hasn't really, I mean, he's, done some shelter in place but uh you know a week ago or so there were only a handful of the 200 plus counties that even had cases of course dallas being one of them um in some of our surrounding areas and in the last week or so that's definitely jumped but we're not on any kind of lockdown it's kind of just county by county city by city and um i don't know if that's delaying all of it or um you know part of me wants to be like well let's just shut everything down for a couple of weeks and maybe we get past this but you know i i don't know i don't know what it is i we're trying to project you know what what if the next 90 days you know we have um you know worst case scenario 90 days zero dollars coming in you know what does this look like for us how how do we sustain this but i i don't foresee it being the next 90 days with you know that's just worst case scenario. Okay. I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, it seems to be it seems to be the consensus. Yeah, the states have been a little inconsistent on on how on shelter in place and you know, like I know North Carolina uh, just went to shelter in place what Monday, Dan, I believe. Um, and you know, I, I think that's going to be some of the bigger questions, you know, is, you know, like, you know, JC, I know a little bit earlier, you talked about stuff getting back to normal, you know, next year, but what are you, what are you thinking, seeing, you know, as you think about the next 90 days, the next, you know, 180 days for, uh, for Vegas and in Nevada? 
Yeah, it's looking, uh, I don't know, it's not, look, not looking great. Um, you know, we've been in basically that shelter in place, all non-essential businesses closed for 10 days already. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been life changing. I'll, 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 I'll say that. Um, so I'm thinking, uh, you know, the casinos will be closed for another 20 days at least. So hopefully at that point they'll reopen them or start to reopen them or start thinking about reopening them. Um, but if they don't, then uh, I think we could be looking at, you know, eight to 12 weeks. So right, right in that time frame. Okay. So yeah, still, still a significant period of time of minimal, minimal activity out there in the world. Yeah. Uh, Steve, you know, what, what's, what's your gut telling you? I am hoping to be a bit more optimistic <laughs> uh, and again, I don't know, but I thought that I heard if President Trump gets his way, then he's looking at uh, hopefully Easter, which is in uh, a couple of weeks, April 13th or so. Um, I think we're going to know a lot more here uh, by that date. Um, it, there does appear to be some good news out of uh, China with the... I don't know if they've had any new new cases. Um, I believe they haven't. At least that's what I've been hearing. I also heard they're starting to open movie theaters over there, and they're kind of starting to get back to business. Um, I don't think President Trump wants us to be too far behind. Um, I think if he has his way, we'll be back to work sooner rather than later. But um, but of course, the the health and safety of of people come first. So I, I think it just kind of depends. Um, if we're slowing the spread of this uh, virus, then uh, I think we'll know a lot more in two weeks. So um, I got that Easter date circled. Okay. How about you, Gary? Yeah, I, I, I'm with Steve. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remain optimistic. Um, you know, I, I've got a couple of, uh, you know, dates in my mind. You know, I know President Trump said, you know, he wants to ease restrictions when the 15 days is up. That's, you know, shortly after the 1st of April. I think uh, April 13th or April 15th is an important date, um, but I really look, I really look to see, um, you know, hopefully us get our arms around this in the next three weeks with, with most states now going to the, to the stay at home orders. I'm hoping we can see that crest that everybody's talking about and see a, and see a downturn. And I think um, if nothing else for the, you know, for the, for the country to see something positive happen would be, um, the start of moving it in the right direction. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we we get our arms around it in the next five six weeks through April. Um, you know the restrictions start to come up in May, and hopefully by Memorial Day, um, you know the the stumbling out of the gate is over, and and we can you know we can work toward back to normal. I'll uh, I'll caveat that with saying I have absolutely no idea if that's accurate. <laughs> you know I think you know we're. Positivity. We want to. We want to maintain positivity. We want to maintain that. You know, the the sacrifices that we've been making these last couple of weeks are really doing doing the job. And um, you know, I'm hoping like you know, I, I know D Governor Cuomo the other day was started to sound optimistic around New York. So I think that's that's uh, that's uh, I'll take that as a plus. And you know, I think to Steve's point around Ohio, I I, I think I'm hoping Governor Dewine was. Uh, was right in what he did to get us start to move and start to turn the spigot back on. Um, but we also know Canada is a very different animal. So Ken, what what are you thinking from a, 
a Canadian perspective? Yeah, I, we locked down here a lot faster um, across Canada than the U.S. did. Um, that provides some hope that we may come out of this a little bit quicker. Um, but what I'm hearing and reading is our best case scenario is, is probably eight weeks of you know, continued low volume and uh, from a business standpoint, but from a social distancing lockdown, um, the, you know, the continued closure of social gathering venues. Um, I, we, we see that staying through till, even though some of the provinces, the two largest ones, Quebec and Ontario, have stated that you know, Ontario is looking to lift um, their current restrictions by the 8th of April. Quebec's looking to do it by the 15th of April. I'm just having a real hard time seeing them being able to do that probably till the end of April, um, in which case, you know, we may see a flattening of the curve. Uh, we're, we're hoping for the end of April um, with, you know, maybe a holding, you know, of current infection rates through May um, with some good news in June. Um, so I, you know, I'm probably more like Katie. I think we're eight to 12 weeks out before seeing uh, what I would say, uh, you, know, we, you know, we need to see some improvement in the infection rates, uh, the curve flatten, and even head into a downturn. I think before um, the governments in Canada are going to start to lift the restrictions. And of course, our volume really will not come back until um, we see those restrictions lifted. So May, June, I guess we've got, you know, is, is our hopeful case. Okay. Well, I think, we, you know, we've got some targets, you know, from you know, optimistic to a little more pessimistic, you know, I think it gets back to Katie's point where we really just don't know this thing continues to move and shift and change. And, you know, every state's done it a little bit differently. Every country's done it a little bit differently. Um, to, to begin to start to, to, to wrap up, I, you know, I want to put this question, question out, you know, what, if there was, you know, one piece of advice, you know, that you could give a service, a service owner, a service company to help them weather, you know, this, this crisis, what would it be, you know, and we'll follow it up with, at the end with, um, you know, some contact uh, information as well. But Katie, you know, if there was one piece of, you know, spirited advice you could give, what would that be? Um, lean on the community that we have in this industry. I think that, you know, there's comp even your competitors, if we can, some people are real hands off with that. Like I'm, I'm not going to get advice or talk to my competitors about what they're going through, but you know, community is important and we're all going through the same thing. Um, so I really just think talking to everybody in the industry, getting best practices and what are y'all doing? to overcome this? Are you seeing this in your part of the, the world? You know, just communicate, lean on each other. JC, how about you? Yeah, I think Katie, Katie has got a good idea there with the communication thing. I know I killed myself on, you know, twice yesterday. And um, so I've been on the phone, you know, more in the past 10 days than I have in probably the past year, talking with reps, talking with manufacturers, seeing what other people are going through. Um, not a lot of people probably call the, 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 the factories and say, Hey, how's it going for you? You know, I know we're miserable, but, uh, you know, how, how are you guys doing? So I've tried to do that. Um, we've also started to pick up on some, uh, training, 
some of the stuff that's uh, available on webinars and stuff like that. So we're using this time, you know, with the text not being, you know, having a full day, then maybe we can, you know, fit some webinars and stuff like that in the morning. So uh, like Ken said, use the time wisely. And uh, we all have stuff that we've uh, neglected to do or been too busy to do and uh, get that stuff done. And, uh, you know, just plan on, uh, plan on being very positive about what's going to happen at the end. Thanks, Steve. What piece of advice would you, would you want to give the, uh, give the industry? Uh, kind of piggyback off them uh, with the communication um, piece. I, I really think that you need to be consistent and offer a clear message to your employees to let them know what's going on and what's, uh, what's going on uh, with the leadership team and what your plans are. And I know that we've talked a little bit about relationships uh, with, the, with the other partners in our industry, but I think it's also very important that you uh, stay in contact with uh, other professionals like your bankers, um, your public accountants, um, because there's a lot of information coming out uh, with the stimulus bill and, and everything else. And I think you can get your best information uh, from from the people that you work with, uh, other professionals like lawyers and CPAs and bankers. So make sure you stay in contact with them and keep that relationship strong. Gary, any advice for anybody? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the group said it well. I don't know if, uh, if I would add anything different, you know, but I think this is, this is the time for us as business leaders um, you know, to show our mettle. This is when we've got to, we've got to be strong and, and be optimistic, uh, be honest, um, be transparent, you know, and, and lead our teams through this. And, and, and that's what I would say, you know, to any business leader out there is don't, don't let this happen to you. Take action, communicate. Um, don't wait. Ken, any, any last words of wisdom? Yeah. So I, I tend to be an optimist. Um, um, so I have someone who advises me who isn't, who I would call more of a realist. And um, he has challenged us to look at a number of different financial scenarios. Um, the, the challenge we have from a capital perspective is we don't know how long or how deep um, this is going to go. And so we want to make sure that you know we can weather the storm from a financial standpoint and uh, you know, be prepared to come out of this strong once we see um, you know, business start to tick back up. So that would be my advice, I guess, depending on your bent, is make sure you know, you've um, you know, done the hard work of the math to make sure that you're, you're viable for the future and, and look at a number of scenarios again, because there's so much uncertainty. And Dan, I knew what you had a you had a comment as well. Well, I, I think that I've been telling everybody, just like I do technicians when they're in their training classes, I tell them when they're in the field and they're in the piece of equipment and they're, they're elbow deep, not to panic. Uh, keep a cool head, look at everything, look at all your options and figure out the best way to repair the piece of equipment. That's exactly what I've been telling service managers, owners, and operators of different businesses, you know, Keep a, keep a clear head, look at all your options, make the best plan for you and your business, and best of all, learn from this and make a plan that if this ever happens or anything like this ever happens again, we're not caught off guard, you're not caught off guard, you have some supplies, you have what you need to weather the next storm, whatever that may be. 
Sounds like great advice. Actually, and great advice from everybody. And I think this has been a really in, informative podcast. And I think, you know, to everybody's point, there's still a lot of uncertainty out there. You know, the best, the best that we can do right now is rely on each other as a community. You know, I always like to say food service is, you know, a big little industry. And the fact that we're all here willing to help and talk and be available, you know, and I also want the listeners to understand that, you know, once the, the, the podcast is posted, you know, feel free to reach out to HQ if you have a specific question for the individuals uh, on, the, on the podcast. So JC, Steve, Gary, Ken, Katie, Dan, um, you know, myself, if you want to if you want to talk about marketing, I'm always here to help you help you figure out uh, how to get that message out into, out into the world as we as we rebound. But really, you know, keep the channels of communication open. Um, with that also being said, you know, Cefesa, had, in partnership with Parstown, has stood up Stronger Service Together. You know, it's a community for you to ask questions, look for resources. You know, we're, we're dealing with some really tough questions as an industry right now. So the more we communicate, so again, communicate, the more we communicate, the, the stronger we'll be as we as we come out of this. So everyone on the line, I'd like to thank you for uh, what is Safesa's first podcast. You know, I wish it was under much happier circumstances, you know, but I think, you know, we're all optimistic. We all know that we're going to come out of this. It's really about how do we set the pick and make sure that we come out of this stronger together. Thanks thank you all. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Eric. Uh, thank Thanks, you, everybody. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Cefesa podcast. This podcast will be available as an MP3 on the Cefesa website, as well as I'm sure an email blast coming to your inboxes soon, or hopefully you already have it because you've listened to it. We plan on doing more of these, especially as we continue to get more updates around COVID-19 and how the industry is responding. So keep your ears open and look for notifications on the next episode.